0: Welcome back to the Unrugable
1: podcast. My name is Maishi. And I'm Ella. And today we're talking to Jackson Hunter, YouTuber and uh, now into the NFT space as well, Jackson. So let's get into it and talk all about that. How are you doing today?
2: Amazing. How are you doing, Ella?
1: I'm fantastic. Thank you. Um, And thank you so much for uh, agreeing to talk with us tonight. Um, Of course. We've heard heard all about you. And... um, We've got loads to talk about tonight. Um, And I guess I'd really like to start by kind of um, just giving a little bit of an overview for you for any of our listeners that um, maybe aren't familiar with your channel. Um, You do a YouTube channel, you make music and you're also in the NFT space as well. Um, So I guess my first question is a little bit. It's kind of a chicken and egg situation. I'm curious to know what your journey has been in life to bring you to this point. Um, And where did you start? Was it with the music to begin with before you got into the trading and the NFTs?
2: Yes, definitely. I've been writing music since I was 10 years old. I'm 30 now. And I got into stocks uh, about two years ago in the stock market. And I started trading options first. And then I started trading shares after I paid my tuition. And then January 2021 came around, and that's when they PCO'd or position close only, um, aka removed the buy button on certain securities like AMC, GME, Cost, BlackBerry, Express, etc. And when I saw that, I bought in very quickly to AMC. And I also put up my first AMC stock analysis A few weeks later on February 27th, because it was the most blatant crime that I had ever seen in my life that robbed people of billions of dollars. And I had been financially struggling my entire adult life, even after graduating with a bachelor's and moving down to L.A., a big city. And so I just want people to not struggle financially in life. And so I saw AMC as a great opportunity, because I knew that nobody was going to leave that. And the power behind the movement is, I mean, it's unparalleled to anything that's ever happened in the stock market before. So, um, you know, long story short, I put out videos on my YouTube channel, and it started growing pretty quickly um, and got to a sizable amount within a number of months. And now I have this beautiful community of people that Um, We like to talk stocks and we like to talk financial freedom. We like to talk mental health. We talk about crypto and NFTs and Web 3.0 as well.
1: That's absolutely fantastic. And I can totally, I mean, I remember I was, you know, around at that time as well. Um, Did this grow out of the Reddit community and then migrate onto YouTube? Um, How did you find your people?
2: Yeah, that's a pretty good um, progression of it. So how did I find my people? That's a great question. I, it was more like they found me kind of, I mean, I put out the video February 27th and at the time I had 127 subscribers and I was getting virtually no views, you know, um, even though I had my channel up for a long time. Um, but I put that video out and it got 6,000 views, doubled my subs. And then I just did daily videos after that. And so, so many people were searching for AMC stock on YouTube because they either heard about it through a friend or they watched it on news. Or, I mean, you guys are probably well aware it was it was all over the internet. It was trending on Twitter and definitely Reddit was one of the earlier social media platforms that people were talking about stocks and then specifically Roaring Kitty or Deep F in Value. He really put GameStop on the map, and he highlighted the fact that it was shorted an insane amount. And that is what led, in my eyes, to a lot of people being educated on companies uh, getting shorted into the ground. And you know, before that, the general public, the common man, people like myself— weren't really aware of what was going on in the behind the scenes of the stock market. And uh, lo and behold, there's a lot of shady stuff that goes on. (laughs) And and so it's became my uh, job, but more way more than that, because I don't really care about a job, but I care about a purpose. Um, It's been my purpose to share what's going on in the stock market and specifically what's going on with AMC and GME. And so A bunch of like-minded individuals have found me, and uh, we have phenomenal discourse through Twitter, through Reddit, through Instagram, through YouTube, and uh, it's really a beautiful movement because we're all fighting for the same thing, and we a lot of us come from the same background as well. Where a lot of us are lower class, didn't have a lot of money, and we saw this as an opportunity to advance socioeconomically, and. I mean, to me, it was a no-brainer investment. I bought in at $5 and AMC, and um, I think it's going to go a lot higher from here.
1: See, this is fantastic. It's like you, you captured the zeitgeist and rode this viral wave. So that says to me that you were slightly ahead of the curve in just a tiny way, maybe. I don't know. Maybe was there something in your background that led you towards stocks and shares and trading and finance ahead of that time?
2: Well, I had been trading, uh, uh, let's see, I'd been trading for about six months before I put up that first video on YouTube. So I didn't have much of a background. But when I dive into something, I become obsessed. And so I learned very quickly. um, The best way to learn is to lose money. And I lost a lot of money in the beginning. But uh, I had great mentors as well, phenomenal teachers. And Uh, so yeah, I'd been investing for about six months and then I put up that video and, um, yeah. And found this whole community that I I didn't, I had no idea that AMC stock was as hot of a topic as it was. I was expecting nothing even close to what I got at all. Like I didn't even think, um, I didn't think getting that type of engagement was possible, but, uh, yeah, found some amazing people, um, and yeah, as far as like, as far as like the wave, um, definitely. There's like, there's been multiple waves in this movement because we've been in it for I don't know, fourteen months or so, thirteen months, and yeah, I was on the first wave when there was only five to ten people talking about it on YouTube, like, and then there was a second wave, and the third wave, and the fourth wave, and the fifth wave, and as far as like timing. I, that was luck you know I, I didn't I don't know there's nothing that I can really say that like I planned that well I just put out a video one night and it happened to get a lot of traction so um I just got lucky really
1: I think a lot of successful people could say that you know right place right time but also there's you know there must be you know knowledge and things that you've gleaned that have helped that audience to stay with you would you say that people have stayed in the community over those 14 months has it become like something that's really gelled together or are we seeing constant churn people entering and leaving the whole time
2: no that's a great question um a lot of my followers have stayed you know um pretty much everybody has stayed and that's more of a testament to the staying power of these individual retail investors than anything that I'm doing on my channel. I, I just be me. I can't tell a lie. I, I can't be dishonest in real life or the internet. So, you know, I don't do the clickbait or anything like that. I'm as straight up as possible. And I think my viewers appreciate that because there are so many people that do clickbait or they mislead you to get views and ad revenue and you know and so i i just do my thing man and you know whatever whatever the circus doing whatever the circus is doing over here i it's none of my business i just keep doing my thing and i think my viewers appreciate that um and there's yeah there's no other way that i would do it well that's
1: exactly the right
0: way. And a question be jack i go go ahead
1: no, I was I was just gonna say I totally get that vibe because um, what stands out to me is that there's a lack of pretension in your channel. You haven't got these like slick production values that people go for to try and hook you in in a kind of clickbaity way. And I just wanted to say that really comes through. So, Moishe, I apologize for talking over your question.
0: Oh sure, uh, Jackson. I wanted to ask you. You know, in in your uh, professional opinion. What, what is the reason why GME and AMC have so much of a cult-like following? And, you know, there there's many, many stock, uh, you know, groups and a lot of stock fans um, for different tickers. But GME and AMC seem to have the biggest communities, um, you know, on, on, the, on the entire stock exchange
2: without a doubt 100%. So first off I got to say I'm not a financial advisor this is not financial advice. I don't make investments based on what I say. But with that being said, yes, it's by far the biggest stock movements that the stock market's ever seen and there's a lot of reasons for it. And speaking of timing, you know, it was like a it was like a perfect storm for retail investors in the best way possible because I think when I think of the genesis, you know, like going back to like how it really started, um, you could say a couple of things. You could say that short hedge funds went a little bit too trigger happy and shorted the companies way too much. You could say that Roaring Kitty, he has a YouTube channel as well. Um, I wish I was watching him when, you know, back in – 2019 but uh I didn't find him till later but uh you could say roaring Kitty pointed to that short interest and he put some of that on the map and exposed it um and you know there's also covid as well when covid hit and then people got stimulus checks I'm not sure how it was in the UK I I presume you guys had a similar system going on but you know we got like a $1200 check and then a $600 check not a lot of money but um if you played it right you can flip it into decent profits and so so many people were at home you know stuck like legally we weren't allowed to leave uh especially in california where i'm at so it was it was such a it was such a combination that you could not you could not predict this type of situation happening at all it's like dude it's a hollywood movie what we're living through right now with this with this stock movement and and Um, You know, why are the groups so passionate? Well, it's because we saw an opportunity that has likely never happened before. And it's a way to start our lives how we actually want to with money, because without money, you can't really do anything. And a lot of people in the AMC and GME community resonate with that and they live that. And it's just a way out man it's like <laughs> it's like our one shot to actually um do something um with our life to be honest because these types of situations these this is a once in a never situation that's how i like to describe it you just don't get this perfect storm where so many points of confluence are connecting and people are just passionate as hell man because we saw how corrupt the stock market was. And we've been doing research every single day and every single night to try and figure out what's going on really behind the scenes because when you're new to the stock market, or even when you're not, there's so many individuals in the community that are decades in Wall Street veterans, and they didn't know half the stuff that we exposed, you know, payment for order flow, short exempt volume, short transactional volume, dark pools, lit exchanges, dark um, uh, off exchanges, and and then offshore accounts and uh, options that you can use to hide short interest with a buy right and you marry a deep in the put with a uh, deep out of the money call. And there's all these things that and, and how there's 14 stock exchanges when you thought it was just one. And, and the New York Stock Exchange trading floor that you see in the movies doesn't actually exist the way that people think it does. And so we uncovered everything. Um, we stripped it all down and we saw it for what it is. And that's the beauty of the Internet. And so, you know, I could go on and on and we could all talk about this um, and we could have a, a great conversation forever. But I could also just say the Internet remains undefeated.
1: The purpose of social media is to connect people. It, it put power into people's hands and it gave us a tool. I mean, and that tool can be used for bad as well as for good. And what you're describing about the stock market, um, I mean, I have friends and family that have worked in traditional finance sector for, you know, over a decade. And they're telling me the exact same things that you're telling me. But I think what's really changed the last couple of years is that normal people like you and I, we, we found a way to participate and benefit ourselves. And the passion that we will have, it's like you say, it's an opportunity to change our lives. And, you know, you're great with words, Jackson. What can I say?
2: So <laughs> oh, you know, you.
1: this is it. I mean, I, I'm very British about things, I get all awkward. But um and by the way, you're <laughs> quite right, we did have furlough payments as well. Not for me, because I don't work in the right sector. I had to go out and work regardless. But um <laughs> anyway, let let's let's talk about NFTs because actually what you've touched on really about the issues and the problems that you get in the stock market. One of my first observations about the NFT space was actually a lot of these same behaviors and toxicity. Although the NFT space and the crypto space offers this opportunity, just like what you're describing for ordinary people, a lot of those behaviors are now starting to be replicated in the crypto space. And I just wondered, what was the bridge to crypto for you? And how do you feel about the crypto space relative to the stock space? Talk to me a little about that.
2: Yeah, for sure. So I was trading crypto on leverage (laughs) i don't recommend this whatsoever if you're listening but i was trading um litecoin on 50x leverage for a while before i joined the stock market and um i had some good weekends i had some bad weekends as well it's pretty much just gambling i yeah really don't recommend it again but um i think crypto is obviously the future you know it's not just like It's definitely not a fly-by-night thing. I mean, Bitcoin was introduced in 08, and we're here 14 years later. So um, I fully believe crypto is the future, and there's a couple reasons for that. But the main reason is that I see the U.S. dollar is going to become worthless eventually. Uh, It's already almost worthless. So, you know, I'd like to get away from cash and the USD as much as I can. I don't trust it for a second. Um, It split off from the gold standard in, I believe it was 1971, Um, and I think that's a huge reason why it lost a lot of the value that it did because it's not backed by anything, which is so interesting because the government, you know, they want to, they talk about wanting to regulate crypto and they say that, or, or even the people that are against crypto and they think it's just some like scam or fad or whatever. Uh, And they say that it's not backed by anything. Well, if you want to go down to the nuts and bolts of everything, nothing is backed by anything. If you think about it, everything is an arbitrary value that's set by society, that's set by people. So whatever you pay for something is whatever the price of something is, is whatever the agreed upon value of it was between the two people transacting it. And that's the same thing with crypto, with fiat currency, um, with the the Great British Pound, with um, the US dollar, with Japanese yen. And so crypto is no different in that sense. The way that it's different is that you don't rely on these big banks to take these fees and to make you wait three to five business days for a transfer. And basically basically what it does is it puts power back into the people's hands. And I'm all for that. All day. All day all night. And so I, I love what cryptocurrency is doing. Um, I have my eye on it. I'm not invested in it at the moment because my my financial attention is on, you know, the stocks right now. But uh, yeah, I'm fully, I love what a lot of people are doing in the space. Um, the NFT space is becoming particularly more interesting as time goes on. And I think the whole profile photo NFT game will be wiped out in the next, you know, relatively short term, in the next couple of years. And then the only thing that's going to last are going to be the, the projects with utility, um, with, you know, things that you can use, whether it be... Blockchain gaming or a way to buy and sell a house through an NFT contract so it's more secure and so there's no middleman. And, you know, there's so many opportunities within NFT. And also, I want to point out that everybody's so early on. Like this is, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk, I was listening to him a few days ago and he was talking about how where Web 3.0 is right now in 2022 is the same place that Web 1.0 was in the mid nineties. And I'm sure you guys are aware of this. There were newspaper headlines saying the internet's a fad. It's gonna go away in two years. And sure enough, the internet is where people live on to this day. So I think if people are adopting crypto and NFTs right now, and and, and just educating themselves, you know, you don't have to become a whiz overnight because there are some complicated things in it as the stock market is as well but as long as people are just educating themselves and getting used to it you know getting their feet wet they're going to be worlds ahead of of other people and a lot of times i learned this in the stock market i've learned this in many things a lot of times when when you're just an early adopter of something you become a huge beneficiary of that and so There, there's so much to say about being in early on things. And even though uh, Bitcoin started in 08, I still believe we're very early in the game of, uh, you know, currencies that are backed by cryptography.
1: I think you're making some excellent points there. It is so early and the space has yet to evolve. And I mean, I didn't really understand who Gary V even was until a few months ago when I joined the NFT space as an artist. Um, But the man is talking sense, the the line that you've quoted, that was my exact analysis of it. Um, I mean, I've read a lot about how the internet developed. And I mean, I'm a little bit older than you guys. So I saw the whole dot-com boom and burst, you know, as a teenager in the early 2000s. And, you know, and I remember those headlines. I remember people saying the internet was going to be nothing, blah, 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 you know. And what really revolutionized it, I believe, and please tell me your views. Um, This is why I'm saying this. People felt kind of scared. The user experience of going online was kind of risky. Um, You know, you could potentially lose everything. If you did some internet shopping, you could basically lose your money and there was no recourse. So people didn't want to play. Um, And then people realized the people running the web, you know, or sorry, running, you know, whatever the companies were, they realized that if they made the user experience safe and predictable and you know gave good customer service people would interact with it more but obviously there's a tension there against the whole decentralization not having big companies and governments in charge of things and it feels like that tension is going to boil up in web 3 and crypto um where people want to participate but they don't feel they can because it's too risky um and the the original guys the ogs they're saying, actually, no, we'll, we'll take the risks. We don't want your interference. And I just wondered how you see that playing out and what your personal take on it is.
2: Yeah, definitely. That's a great way to describe what's been going on. I think the people that provide value and provide legitimate utility, and you know the thesis behind the project and what problem it solves, the problem solvers are always gonna last. And the people that do these, you know, like they put up an NFT of a rock and sell it for $6 million, like, like do your thing, whatever. I'm not going to be a judge, but that's not going to be anything that uh, affects and shapes culture um, in history. So I think the people that are going to last are people that are providing something legitimate that is a solution in modern times. And, um, I mean, there's just so much value that people can create. And you're 100% correct. There is a lot of fear with crypto and with uh, NFTs. And I mean, especially NFTs, you know, like people call it a scam all the time. But in all reality, I've learned, I've learned one big thing in my 30 years of life. When people are talking about things, you're always going to have two extremes, right? You're going to have one extreme on one end saying they're not for it, they're opponents of it. And then they're going to be an extreme on the other end, like uh, maximalists or maxis that are so, um, such proponents of it. And then there's going to be people in the middle that are kind of, uh, still wary of it and still trying to figure it out. And what I've, and, and also, the people that say like it's a, like NFTs are a scam, and then there's other people that say no, they're a godsend. I think the truth is always somewhere in the middle. When you hear those polarizing opinions, the truth is 99% of the time somewhere in the middle. And so what I mean by that in this is that... Um, there are a lot of projects that will go to the wayside you know like over 90% of them will be forgotten in the next couple months but the ones that survive the one out of 10 or one out of 20 or one out of 50 whatever it is uh they're really going to make an impact on the world and I mean, kids and adults alike actually are already living on their phones 24-7. So, of course, they're going to adopt this new uh, culture. Even the people that say they're against it are going to adopt it, too. <laughs> like, I saw it, I saw it um, when covering AMC stock. Like, even the people that were bashing the stock, they had shares, too. And so, I think a lot of people are operating out of fear. I think you said it perfectly. And you know they're like, it's unregulated. And it's because they're so used to going to Chase Bank or going to Bank of America and letting those guys handle their money, which by the way is a terrible idea because big banks will loan out your money to a factor of 10 and you have no idea that they're doing that. And then if everybody went to the bank tomorrow and tried to withdraw their money, it wouldn't be possible. And you gotta see a problem with that. If you don't, then I don't really know what I can tell you. But it, <laughs> it means that the bank doesn't have your money, but they claim that they do. So um, it, banks are, you know, they're they're not they're not good for the advancement of society. I think they already played their role, and they're becoming an antiquated business model. The same way that. Traditional colleges, you know, we're at a, Now that I think about it, we're at a very interesting crossroads of a lot of things, and I, I think it's great actually because I don't want my children going to college. I don't want my children using big banks. I don't want my children to work a job that they're exploited from and they get paid an unlivable wage at all. You know, I'm going to tell my kids the truth about life, and I'm going to teach them. Uh, uh, well, they're going to learn it on their own, but I'm going to throw things at them and find out what they're good at. And then they're going to monetize that. And because if you do things that you hate, you're going to have a miserable life. And then secondly, you're probably not going to get paid for it as well. So I think the best thing to do in life is to master something and then um, provide value to people and make a living off of it. This whole like going to a traditional grade school and then spending $80,000 or $100,000 on undergrad is just it's so ridiculous because if everybody has a degree it means that it's worthless it means that it's no value it's the basic uh uh predication that economics is on which is supply and demand if everybody has a bachelor's degree or now a master's degree we're the most overeducated underpaid generation of all time by far then nobody cares if you have a degree because everyone has one and so that whole business model of college is going to go out the window very shortly here. It already is. I mean, you see these tradi- um, these uh, alternative schools popping up left and right and these trade schools popping up left and right. And you can learn everything on YouTube. I mean, and that's free. So YouTube is the new college. Um, and we're going to find that out pretty shortly. And so, you know, I think the people that are aboard the crypto and NFT train are going to be um handsomely rewarded at the end of this thing. And the people that aren't, well, those people typically operate out of fear anyway. There's I have this saying, the way somebody does one thing in life is traditionally how they do everything in life. And so if you're operating out of fear with crypto, you're probably operating out of fear in a lot of other areas of your life as well. And so you're probably not going to advance or progress a whole lot. So if you're listening um and you're, um, unsure about crypto or NFT? Just educate yourself. You know, knowledge really is power. Just like read and watch videos and learn, and then you can make a decision. But um, yeah, I think it's a beautiful thing, and I think we're so early on. You know, it's it's like <laughs> it's like before. Um, I remember when AOL like online came out. You know, and it would take like five minutes for it to start up, and you'd hear those weird. Beep, 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 beep. sounds in uh you know this is like before that so it's really really early on in the space
1: absolutely oh no no I'm, absolutely, I, i'm hearing some amazing stuff right here and i'm nodding my head though i do think it's worthwhile to point out that people have different risk profiles based on their phase of life um You know, I mean, just speaking from my own personal situation, 10 years ago, I wish this was happening 10 years ago before I had children. Um, Now I have a large mortgage and two small children. I'm seeing risky stuff that I would really believe in that I would love to jump in on, but I have to keep a very conservative risk profile because I have to protect certain situations that I've got going on in life. I mean, I think it's very clear from the way you're speaking that you're not disrespecting anyone. You're just Telling us about this vision and I guess encouraging people that where they can, they can take a little step forward, a little leap of faith. It would be so interesting to hear Moishi's take on this because I know Moishi is in a very different phase of life to me. He's a young guy with minimal kind of obligations coming on him. You know, Moishi, why don't you come in and talk to us about how you feel on this? Oh please don't tell me we lost Moishi. That would suck.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, I'm right here. My uh, my 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 uh, my mic was muted accidentally. Um, you know, here, here I am in Web three, um, the forefront of Web three, and I don't have as much financial responsibilities. I don't have um, a wife or kids that I have to support. I don't have a mortgage. Um, I'm able to live quite frugally and invest and be a lot more uh, riskier in my investments. and you know that that's an advantage I have. but I've always thought about you know how it would be if I was alive in the uh, alive and investing you know in, in the 1995 and the 2005 right what would that be like? W- w- would I have known about it? Would I be on the forefront or is it now that that exists that I now have the opportunity to do this now in this space? Would I have been able to, pick this up back then Would I, when I know, when I know what I know now in the web three and have the same conviction, or is it only because of the, you know, path set forward by innovators then? And that's the question, you know, that, uh, I, I've been, I've been dealing with for a while and that's, uh, you know, for, for everyone in this space right now, it's, uh, web three, there, there's so much amazing opportunity here. And a lot of people are still not taking advantage of it, which, you know, that, that's, uh, it, it's, it's very difficult to try to explain it to somebody who doesn't have the head for it. He doesn't understand it. And you want to, you really want to give them, you want to give them that opportunity to, to take advantage of it. Cause something that you're passionate about, you believe in, you can't do this without the passion. Can't do this without that real, you know, it's, it's almost cult-like the belief that, you know, we have in it and we have our chance. We have our own language. We have our own, um, our own culture that we, that we made, that we made together. Um, all about growing each growing together growing our financial wealth growing our mental health and that's something that's a common theme in web3 you know just bettering yourself as a, as a person as a community that's something that we trying to all get together trying to empower each other and you don't see that in other industries you know that's the thing. You bring people onto it. You go back. It's it's a very very different than to nineteen ninety five. You know, and that's the comparisons you always do. That we're before MDOS. or before. You know, this is before. This is pre mdos This is before. You know, Windows ninety five and the whole dot com era that evolved after that. And people always try to compare Web three to that. Um, I don't. I don't think it's as it's as one to one as as uh, you know people try to make it out to be. I got a, you know, so so Jackson, you know, I got I got some questions for you, man. Um, you know, because you've you've uh you've you've been around through a lot of it, and uh, you know you you've pivoted a lot your your career, and that's something that I that I that I respect a lot um, to be able to to move around that. Um, you know, let's go with uh let's go with let's go, let's go start with the music, right? You have got you got two rap albums. On Spotify. Talk talk, 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 to me about that. Yeah, act- when you, when you, you got into music, you said when you were, you were ten years old. So you, you do the music, and now you pivot into um, stock. How how, how, did, how did that happen?
2: No, I still do both. I get that question all the time, but I'm I'm I always write, man. I'm I'm always writing. I've been a writer my whole life. Um, I'm actually ten albums in. I just have two that are on Spotify, but you can find the other eight somewhere. And then there's five hundred songs before that that I put out as well. So music was my life. Uh, music still is my life um in fact the biggest things are very much yet to come because I put out all that stuff when really nobody knew who I was and still nobody really knows who I am I'm not I'm not like a big uh figure uh, by any means but no I I just love making music man I grew up playing uh rock bands and being the lead singer and playing bass and um I grew up with Taking Back Sunday and Senses Fail and Under Oath and Brand New and uh, Silverstein and that type of bands, you know, and um, it really shaped who I am, you know, like I wanted to emulate those people. I wanted to be a rock star, you know, and fortunately, I've been able to do some pretty cool stuff, um, you know, more so with the hip hop side. I started making hip hop when I was 15 and I just went... um, I just went full throttle with it man like I just did it like it was my job and I just uh, became addicted to getting better and better and always working and you know I went to school for music that's what my degree is in but I didn't learn anything about music through school other than how to like write <laughs> like symphonic orchestral music which does not help whatsoever in 2022. So I learned everything just on my own, man, just in my studio at my house or in my apartment or wherever I was living. Um, And at one point I was living in a laundry room and I still had a studio and just writing all the time, putting out mixtapes, putting out albums, constantly doing music videos, doing shows Um, between 20. 17 and 2020, I did over 200 shows in Southern California and Miami and Texas for South by Southwest. And this is all grassroots, everything DIY. I've never had a manager, no agent, uh, never got paid for any of this. It it all comes out of my pocket. Uh, There's a very interesting viewpoint on the music industry, but... um, it's uh it's a pretty uh, interesting thing but you know I always just I always just revert back to what's my goal with it and the goal is really to have fun first of all um, second of all it's therapy for myself and third of all to try and get other people to um, connect with it as well and not even that but just like to, just to try and help people you know like I write music for myself Um I will never pander to any certain crowd or anything like that. I write it for myself, but it's funny because the more that I do that, the more people that come up to me at shows and tell me that this line resonated with them or they really felt my energy or blah, blah, blah. And so uh, I'm very grateful to have music because if I didn't have that, you know, I don't really know what I would have. I, I firmly believe... Everybody has at least at least one thing in their life that they are exceptional at, and that fulfills them deeply at their soul. And for me, that's music. And uh, I was very grateful to realize that at a young age that I knew what I wanted to do because there were so many of my peers, and you know, still to this day, they don't really know what they want to do. Like they work their job and they go home and they pay their bills, but they don't really have anything that they really love you know that like really puts them into a flow state and they can rely on that you know like I've been able to rely on music for so long as a source of joy and I'm forever indebted to it you know like I'm I'm extremely fortunate to have been able to do the cool things that I've done and um yeah I'm always writing man like uh, yeah I, I talk about stocks now but um, what I'm really passionate about is actually music. The stocks, the stocks were just a way to advance myself socioeconomically. And I'm still not out of the place that I was like, I'm still very much in the lower economic class, but the stocks were never like, like a, <laughs> a passion project by any means. I did it because I was broke, you know, and I didn't know any other way to do it. Cause I'd tried everything else to make money. and so um the stocks were for money the music was from my heart and the music was uh whatever it happened to be for whoever was listening to it and speaking of timing that's that's another thing as well like you can put out a song or an album or a music video or you can perform in front of people and And maybe it's just not the right timing and you might not affect the individuals that the way that you intended to. And then maybe you'll play another venue over here on this side of town and it completely resonates. And so like timing and uh, like Ella was talking about in the beginning is, is such a key thing in life. And I'm realizing that the more that I get older, that you don't really have control over that timing. All that you have control over is your output, you know, what you produce and what you show to the world. And then as far as like how people respond or like um, your recognition for your production, that's completely up to just the universe's timing. And you have absolutely no control over that. And you have to surrender yourself to that. And I've found the more that you just let things be while you're actively, I'm a big proponent of taking action, while you're actively producing and putting stuff out there and showing the world who you are, the more that you're, you're not trying to force anything, the more good things happen. Um, Earlier, you know, when I was 18, 19, 20, 21, I would try and force things, right? I would be emailing all these people from uh, music labels and like major record labels. And even when I first came to LA, I drove to every every music studio to try and get an engineer job. And then I also drove to all the major record labels and I dropped off my music. And so I was always trying to make things work. And And then with this YouTube stuff, it really taught me that because I wasn't forcing the YouTube thing at all, <laughs> like it was a completely on a whim uh, video creation that changed my life forever. I mean, it's because of that, that I don't have to work for a boss. So I'm like extremely grateful. Um, So I've just learned to, you know, do things at my own pace and whatever happens and however the world perceives it or receives it is not up to me at all. And the more you surrender to that and the more you accept that fact, the happier you're going to be and the more success you will find.
1: I couldn't agree more. I mean, what a beautiful way of putting it. And um, I don't know if you know, but Moishi also makes his own music, too. And uh, my partner is a musician. He plays bass guitar. Um, And, you know, these are conversations that we have between ourselves as friends, uh, between me and Moishi and also in my home as well. Um, I'm a visual artist. My partner is a musician. Um, But it was lovely to hear you speak with such eloquence on the topic, I think. I can't even add anything to that. I just agree with it so hard. (laughs) Oh, thank you so
2: much. That's awesome that you guys play music too.
1: Hey, what can I say? I do the pictures. He does the sound.
2: (laughs) There we go. Hey, you got a team though. You got a team. I just shoot oh, my mate. music, my my album cover myself. So,
1: <laughs> oh my dear, what can I say? What can I say? I mean, if you, if you need a random graphic, you know who to talk to. <laughs> I've got to ask you something new, though. I have, I'm so sorry. I have to take this in a new direction because there's something I'm really excited to ask you about. Um, yeah, it's your I show. Saw, Do you think? I, I saw you. I saw in your channel. Um, y- you've been showing a preview of the GME marketplace. You know, yeah. game assets that are fully rigged. And you're talking about this on your show. So I'd love to understand more about how how you've come to be talking about this. I mean, do you have a relationship with them? Um, are, you, are you working with them in some way? Or is this just something you feel passionately about that you want to share?
2: No, I'm not working with them. That would be cool if I was. I think they've got something under wraps so far that's going to revolutionize not just the gaming world, but the technology world. So I started talking about the GameStop marketplace as soon as I heard about it. Um, And we were, I mean, it wasn't just me. It was, you know, thousands of us across the world trying to find these breadcrumbs to what they were doing because GameStop is very radio silent when they are... um, Well, they don't really talk about the future, in all honesty. Like on their earnings call, it's the most bland vanilla call ever. They just talk about the numbers, earnings per share, how well they did. But they never talk about what they're doing in the future. And so they kept this project under wraps very well, actually. They did a very good stealth job of keeping it private this far. Um, It looks like it's pretty close to being launched fully. But, uh, yeah, I just started researching the marketplace, I think the first thing that I found was the article from Loopring, which is a layer two technology provider that GameStop is working with. And they published an article on medium.com. And it was their, it was one of their quarterly updates. And they alluded to the fact that they were working with a, an established partner, quote unquote, to launch an NFT marketplace. And very quickly, the internet, uh, put together that they were most likely working with GameStop. We didn't have 100% confirmation at the time, but it was like it was like we knew. But you know, you couldn't say conclusively that that's who they were working with. And then as time goes on, we saw more and more, and you could see their uh, software development kit online through the GitHub repository. You could see them working on the code in real time, which I thought was fascinating. I have no idea about coding or any of that type of stuff, but. You could see them like working on their rough draft as they're doing it. Uh, It was fascinating. And I think I think there's so many people that are downplaying what GameStop is about to do or they simply just don't understand how big it's going to be. But they're creating an NFT marketplace with these huge partners with financing behind it through Immutable X, who's based in Australia. Uh, They're partnered with Loopring as well. Um, and it's going to be a gigantic open sea, but more blockchain gaming based, more gaming based. But, um, they already have a built in devout following or customer base, and so I mean, it's going to be a no brainer how successful this thing is going to be. And, uh, the fees are going to be next to nothing, you can mint. You can mint NFTs, if I'm not incorrect, I believe for like $2.50 a pop, as opposed to OpenSea, which was charging like anywhere from, you know, $50 to like $200 just to mint an NFT. So GameStop is just so ahead of everybody else in the NFT marketplace space. And on top of that, they're also going to do... You know what they've already been doing they're still going to have their brick and mortar stores but they're expanding and it's just becoming a it's becoming a tech giant before our eyes and if you realize that as an investor it could be possibly very lucrative and so you know what they're doing it doesn't take a genius to realize that they're ahead of so many people on so many fronts and uh we've already seen the beta website for it um and the real NFT marketplace will come soon. And I can guarantee that it's going to change the technology world, not just the gaming world.
1: Oh, I couldn't agree more, Jackson. I mean, to kind of summarize the discussions that we've had so far, we've talked a little bit about stocks, about music, about gaming. And me as, uh, you know, I call myself an old lady. I'm in my, I'm in my 30s. You know, I'm not old, old. but for You're me, not old. <laughs> no, I just meant like I've been around a little while, hey, but I mean, Moishi's a baby. What can I say? I'm going to take the mickey out of you, my friend. What can I say? Um, but no, Just to summarize, joking aside, it feels like the the real revolution in society over the last, over the time that I've been alive, we've gone from passive consumer's of information who used to pick up a newspaper, we'd put on our TV, and the information would be delivered to us but what's really changed in my lifetime since i've you know grown up and become an adult is we're no longer passive consumers of information we we are participants you know and that's what's really changed in music in gaming in you know technology as a whole just in participating in our lives and it's like what i see you doing and what i see Moishi doing with the work that he's doing with his marketing agency um and this podcast and everything and all the people i'm connecting with I see people seeing this opportunity and seizing it with both hands and really taking that passion, um, you know, because now the technology exists um, to really participate um, and give our own part back as well. I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe it's late and I'm tired and I'm full of COVID, but <laughs> any closing thoughts from you, Jackson, on that theme?
2: No, 100%. It's in, you're seeing it in every industry, whether it's music, sports, uh, video games, anything, social media, I think has played a huge role in basically like fragmenting the system that once existed where you're right. You would wake up, drink your cup of coffee, read newspaper and watch TV. And they call television programs programs for a reason because it literally socially conditions your mind. Um, to do and buy things that the way that big corporations want you to, but you're spot on. This is the generation that's waking up from that, and we're realizing that we are the products of consumer culture and we don't have to be anymore you know we're living through the matrix you know the film with keanu reeves i mean one of my favorite films of all time a lot of people's favorite films because and it's 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 a cult classic and it's it's people's favorites because it's actually a reflection of what's going on currently and at the time as well and so we're at a, a time and space where you create your own future you don't have to do it the way that the TV is telling you to matter of fact, you can create your own TV channel. Like that's what I have with my YouTube channel. It's basically a TV channel with viewers that tune in every day. And you guys have the same thing with your podcast. You've created your own radio station. Like that was not accessible. uh, I want to say, you know, 10, 15 years ago, not very long ago, but now the power is in the people's hands. And if you're not taking advantage of that, well, you're either not ambitious or you're not aware of what's going on. But we're we are flipping the script on consumer culture as we speak, and it's it's an amazing thing, you know. Like like you just talked about COVID. I hope you don't have it. Do you really have COVID?
1: Yeah, but it's okay. I mean, it's a mild case this time around. I've, I've been very sick with it before, but anyway, that's uh, that's a sideline. It's not a problem. Um, I'm just. Please continue.
2: Oh, oh, okay. Well, I hope you rest up and I hope you feel better soon. But yeah, it, speaking of that, though, you know, like um, there are a lot of things in this world that are not ideal, right? There's a lot of strange stuff going on in politics and, you know, the pandemic and blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of things that we could complain about. But at the same time, on the other side of the token, we're in such a beautiful moment in time um in the chronological timeline of, of recorded history that it's hard not to feel grateful where we're at right now because you know if you're a kid you know you're at 12, 13 14 years old and maybe you're like a really good guitar player or a really good skateboarder or you just have a way with words and you have a podcast. You can you can start that up on social media and you can build a following and you don't need to go to college. You don't need to work that job that pays you minimum wage and you can create your own life. And that's what, that's what the internet and web 3.0 is allowing people to do. And, um, when people take control of their lives, it's such a beautiful thing because they always had that ability to take control of their life. But, the internet is just shoving in their face, like, hey, like, wake up, you don't have to do the quid pro quo of what everybody else is doing. You can you can do life on your terms. And it's just it's it's an amazing thing. Because, um, you know, I used to work the BS jobs, I used to work construction, digging holes for terrible wages. And so I know the struggle as well. And, um, you know, I'm still living through the struggle. What am I talking about? But it's like when you can take control of your life like that, um, it gives you a sense of purpose and it gives you joy and and you can focus on what actually matters in life as opposed to just being brainwashed by, buy this and buy that and buy this. And it's everything that you don't need, you know, like nobody needs the things that people are selling. Like all you need is food, water and shelter. And like everything above that is just a bonus. So I'm kind of going off on a tangent, but life is a beautiful thing. And this, I don't know what it's called, but just breaking down the the corporate walls that were once gatekeepers to being in an industry, you know, as a real big time professional player is happening right now. Those walls are coming down and anybody can walk through any industry that they want and they can take it by storm. They can disrupt it and they can provide value to millions, if not billions of people around the world.
1: And I could not agree more honestly. And I think, you know, that is such a lovely way of summing up everything we've been talking about as well. Um, it's obvious you're a natural at what you do, Jackson. Um, you know, you've brought it to, we've kind of gone around and expanded on the topic, explained it, and we've, we've brought it to a conclusion in such a beautiful way. And I mean, I would love to just finish up by thanking you, um, so, so much for your time. Um, you've been a fantastic guest. Um, it's been so amazing talking to you. I am now following you um, on Twitter, which is where I basically live my life these days. <laughs> and um, yeah, I guess I'd just like to throw it to Moishi for any closing remarks or questions.
0: I just wanted to really uh, thank you for your time. It's been really insightful. Um, I learned a lot. I'm sure that our audience will learn a lot. Um, really, really incredible. I'm uh, going to shoot you a follow as well. It's been uh it's really insightful, and I hope, I hope to keep up with you and speak with you even more. Hey, thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. This was a beautiful and fun
2: talk. Ella and Moishi, you guys are doing awesome things. Uh, maybe we'll have you on my YouTube channel down the line. I'd love to do that. So I hope you guys have a beautiful, I don't even know what freaking day it is, but um, I love you guys, and I appreciate you for having me on.
0: <laughs> Again. Love you too, man. I appreciate it. Thank you so, so much.
1: Have a great one. Take it easy, Jackson, and let's stay in contact. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in. Another great episode.
0: If you haven't already, find us on social media at Unreliable Pod. On all socials, subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, your favorite podcasting platform.